Hello. We're pleased you've been able to tune in once again to Finding Truth Matters with Dr Andrew Corbett. Welcome to the program. Doesn't he know this is where we're going to end up? If he did, wonder how he would feel about that. Probably the same way that many of us feel about that. Where it's not about me, I, my. It's about you, him, God. We live in an age that promotes the self. And sadly, that seems to be getting in the way of us experiencing community the way it was designed. Even the church is challenged by individualism. It's not how we were described in the Bible. On Finding Truth Matters tonight, we're continuing in the series on the Lordship of Christ. To challenge your thinking, let's join Dr. Corbett now for Jesus, the head over his blood-bought church. Thank you for being here. My name's Andrew, and I'm going to open God's word, but let's pray. Father, now as we come before you as an act of worship, to give our hearts and minds, which out of the mouth of Jesus, he said, this is how we are to love you, with our hearts, minds, strength and soul. And Lord, as we give over our hearts and minds to the attention of your word, I pray that it will grip us. I pray, Father, that the fire of your word and the light of your word would indeed be a heat and a light to do its work. I pray, Father, that despite my inadequacy, my inability to convey the enormity of what we're about to look at, that God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you would do it. That, Father, people would experience signs and wonders in their souls as the word of God is preached, not because of me, but because of you, Holy Spirit, taking your word and causing it to come alive in people's hearts, minds and souls. I pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen. It was near the end of the Apostle Paul's life, actually, measured in months that he had remaining, that he was pretty committed to walk into his destiny, a destiny which several prophets had told him would lead to great affliction, great suffering and adversity. Yesterday I was watching the tennis where things were getting particularly tough for one player, both physically and in, in endurance, and the commentator said this, this is now a time during this great affliction and adversity, not for, not for this person's character to be formed, but for this person's character to become obvious. Your character is not formed through adversity, it's seen in the midst of adversity. We sang that song, another one in the fire, reflecting on Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, who went into the fire, and Nebuchadnezzar, when he looked in the, the furnace, which killed those who threw those three people in, he said, we threw three in and there's four there. There's one standing with them who looks like the son of God. Another one in the fire, Christ walks with us in our adversity. Christ also leads us in triumph, which is a great thing too. Life's not all gloom and doom. In fact, far from it, actually. But the Apostle Paul knew that something awaited him 
that would cause many, many people, in fact, in the scriptures, it did cause many people to run in the opposite direction. And as he was traveling on a ship, he came to the coast near Ephesus, a place called Miletus. And we pick it up in Acts chapter 20, verse 18. Kim wrote this week the, the pastor's desk where she was commenting on people's final words. You, you really want to make your final words count, don't you? you? You've seen those gravestones where people's final words are etched into the granite. I saw one that said, see, I told you I was sick. That was far funnier than that laughter evoked. But you want your final words to count. Paul's final words, I'm deeply moved by. I'm deeply moved when he wrote to Timothy as he was literally under Praetorian guard. And these are like the, the secret service of the Caesar. They, they take a vow. They didn't always live up to the vow to lay down their life to protect the Caesar. But these were hard guys. These were tough guys. And now Paul is under guard by these guys. He talks about that in his epistle to the Philippians, also one of his last epistles. And now we pick it up in Acts 20, where as he's heading to an inevitable destiny, when he came, they came to him. So he's called for the elders to come from the, ch the church at Ephesus to come to the coast. He said to them, you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia. That would be Asia Minor. Serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. There's a lot I could say about what it costs to serve Christ. But one of the things I cannot say is that it will be easy all the time. I can't say that. I can't say that from even hearing what Paul said about it and from my own life as well. How I did not shrink back from declaring to you, the Apostle Paul told them, anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of, here's the gospel, repentance toward God and a faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. We hear those words, they'd make a nice bumper sticker for some, and we don't catch the magnitude of what's happening. Paul is about to be taken before Caesar Nero, and he's going to be interrogated before Caesar Nero. And one of the accusations that is going to be leveled against him is that he was declaring someone else was Lord. And now, before he gets there, he openly declares it, and it is recorded by Dr. Luke that the gospel is faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Curios, ho, Jesus Christos. And now, behold, I'm going to Jerusalem, constrained, which means being moved by, the opposite of restrained, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment, or as we heard, incarceration and afflictions await me. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Have a nice day. This is like, what? 
kind of Christianity are you talking about, Paul? Sounds like the real one. It sounds like the one where it takes real men to follow Christ and real women to stand up and be a woman of God in the midst of a culture that wants to make you women into a piece of meat. The Holy Spirit testifies everywhere. This is real Christianity, not out of a prayer book, not just because it's in the liturgy, but because the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit is alive, active, verbal, speaking and guiding and leading us. And right now, the Holy Spirit is going to do things in you. Get ready for the weird. But I do not account, Paul says, my life of any value nor is precious to myself. What? He just so would not have fitted in the 21st century. Doesn't he know that most of our songs are about me, I, my? Doesn't he know this is where we're going to end up? If he did, I wonder how he would feel about that. Probably the same way that many of us feel about that. Where it's not about me, I, my. It's about you, him, God. That's why all of our songs were songs sung directly to the Lord, not about we're going to sing to the Lord. I don't know if some of you amen. I assume you're doing it on the inside. (laughs) If only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from, here it is again, the Lord Jesus To testify to the gospel of the grace of God. There's those two elements again of repentance to the Lord. And if we had the time, I would show you that the gospel is not about going to heaven. It's about acknowledging who really is Lord of your life. Each month, sorry, each Sunday, except for one, throughout this month, we're going to have a quality movie featuring people who have experienced heaven we can't ignore it anymore there's some fight i recently heard of a a man who completed his phd into near-death experiences and he thought he might be able to get a few he ended up having i think he interviewed five thousand people who've had an experience where they said they were more alive after they died in those moments minutes than they ever were in this life on earth this is something we can't ignore anymore. So tonight, 5 o'clock, we're showing the Don Piper story. That is one of the most remarkable stories you'll ever hear. And we're going to keep going. We've got a few more to go throughout this month. So come and join us. There will be one bucket of popcorn. Well, that's what you told me. We're going to, we're going to, do, we're going to share one bucket of popcorn. No, there'll be, there'll be popcorn available tonight. But get what Paul is saying here. He's saying, it's not about me. It's not about my life. It's not about my, my comfort, my dream, my aspiration. He's not saying, gee, I hope I leave a legacy behind. Because it's not even about his legacy. It's about Christ. It's about living for the gospel, whom he directs all glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is the consistent preaching through the book of Acts You need to repent because he is Lord. 
And if you get the gravity of this, and I know I'm going to struggle to convey the gravity of this, and now behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. And I want you to get that. Christ came and preached the kingdom. If you are a student of the Bible and you notice the very first word, the very first word of the very first sermon preached in the New Testament. Does anyone know the very first word of the very first sermon preached in the New Testament? Because it's the very same word that Jesus used for his first recorded sermon, and it's the word repent. Not come, come and follow me because I can really make your life more comfortable and happy. Uh, which he can, but that's, that's not his message. His message is, I'm Lord. Follow me. And to do that, right now, you're going that way. And now I need you to stop going that way, turn around and follow me because I'm going that way. And that word is the word metanoia. It's the word repent. And it's what the Roman centurions would yell to their some thousands of soldiers who were following them in a march, in drilling them for a march. Stop, turn around and go that way. That's the word repent. And so Paul says he was proclaiming the kingdom. First word out of the mouth of John the Baptist, first sermon recorded in the New Testament was the word what? I'm preaching much better than you guys. I'm... <laughs> repent. The first word out of the mouth of Jesus recorded in the New Testament was? Repent. Ah, now, now you're doing it. Now you're all preachers. Now, there we go. But this is true. We, it, this is a gutsy gospel that Paul's talking about. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I'm innocent of the blood of all. I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Even when people didn't want to hear it, I told them the truth, Paul is saying, the whole counsel. So therefore, talking to the elders, and by the way, the local church needs elders and thank god we've got some quality godly elders in our church the elders i was telling someone yesterday the elders in a church are like the firemen and the police all in one they uphold the law and they put out fires they guard the sheep they protect the sheep and they give counsel and wisdom as their main means of doing it. And Paul's talking to these guys. Pay careful attention, he says, to yourselves and to all the flock. I'm going to come to that word in a moment, the word flock, in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. And that's the word that elders captures. To care, Paul says. To care for the church of who? God's church. This is God's church. This is not Karen's church. This is not Kim's church. This is his church. And, and if you want to be more precise about it, it's our church. And it is his. So it's a flock. It's the church of God. And how dear does God feel about his church, because he obtained it with his own blood. Wowzers. This is how precious church is to Christ. 
Paul says, I know that after my departure, what does he mean departure? Does he mean when he gets on the ship and goes? He means from this life. Fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. History tells us that in the second century, sorry, toward the end of the first century, a man by the name of Serenthus did exactly that in that church, Serenthus. He was the, one of the founders of a thing called Doceticism, which is the idea that Christ was not really physical. He was, oh yeah, I mean, he looked it, but he was just a bloke who the Christ spirit came on and then when he was about to go to the cross, the Christ spirit left him and that poor bloke, he died. That was the teaching of Serenthus, that he was a wolf. He was the one that John the Apostle called Antichrist. Anyone who denies that Jesus came in the flesh is Antichrist and he's dealing with this guy, Serenthus. By the way, the word Antichrist does not occur in the book of Revelation. It only occurs in John's epistles to the Ephesian church. Take a number and get in line afterwards if you want to complain to me about that. Right. <laughs> Therefore, be alert, he tells the elders, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. Why? Why are you crying about Why? It's as if Paul really thought this was important. And the reason is, he really thought this was important. He really thought it was important for elders and pastors and teachers to teach the gospel, the gospel that Christ bought with his own blood to deliver to a people that he bought with his own blood, that they might have people that come around them, young men, young women, who could teach the next generation, this is what it's like to live for Christ. Paul is so concerned about this. And now I commend you to God, he tells them, and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all. Whoops. Among all. Let's grab that back. So this is, knowing what Paul is saying, this is the lordship of Christ. This is the Lordship of Christ is all about. And I want you to get this. That Christ is head over his blood-bought church. See, I reckon, I reckon that there are some young people who are going to grow up in this church or any other church, and they're going to come along because they had to each Sunday, and they're going to think... Because, and, and a wrong way of thinking, the church is just something I should do, uh, don't really want to do, and if I've got any other option, and sometimes parents inadvertently help their kids to be deceived with this because they will tell them, well, if, you don't, you know, if you're sleeping in, just sleep in. It's not like church is important. You're going to go to heaven one day. You're going to stand. Paul's going to be, Paul is going to be in your line to see you. Run, run by me that whole thing about sleeping in because it's not important bit. And then I'll talk to you about how Christ bled to make this thing a reality. <sighs> he is head over 
his blood-bought church. I say that, and, and most of us are going to go, mm-hmm, yeah, won't, yeah, won't, won't, yeah, won't, whatever, without realising the magnitude of what I've just said. And the problem we've got, we've got a huge problem to even understand what Paul said, to frame it into a 21st mindset when it's all about me, my, I. If you don't believe me, just look at, I don't encourage this, look at TikTok and see how this next generation coming up thinks life works. It's all about me, my, I. Apparently, people think it's more important to be famous than to be a person of courage and character. So here's our biggest challenge in what, in what we've just read the Apostle Paul say and in what I'm trying to convey to you that Jesus Christ is Lord over his blood-bought church. That you would leave this place not thinking church is just an option. It's a convenience thing. If, I, if it's convenient, then, then I'll attend, I'll be a part of it. But I don't want it to cost me anything. I don't want to, it's, it can't be uncomfortable for me. So here's the, the biggest challenge to understanding what church means is, in order to get there, I'm going to give you the answer in a moment, what I think is the answer. In order to get there, perhaps let's have a look at how the Apostle Paul and the other apostles and Jesus described the church. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 6, which says, He has made us a kingdom, priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. And you'll find the Apostle Paul saying something very similar to this. You'll find the Apostle Peter saying something very similar to this as well. See, if you're a Christian, you're a part of a new priesthood. You don't need a clerical collar, a, a, a black collar with a white dot or a white collar around a black thing. You just need to be born again and you're a priest. What does a priest do? A priest is someone who intercedes on behalf of others. And God help us if we're not doing that. We're called to do it. You are a priest if you know Christ. You are a part of his priesthood. Secondly, you are citizens of a new nation. First word, the, he's made us a kingdom of priests. That's the first thing, number one. Number two, citizens of a new nation. We read that in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. So you are no longer strangers and aliens. He's writing to these Gentiles. But you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. And perhaps for us in our day and age where the word citizen doesn't really mean much. Some people are dual citizens. I met someone even in this church who said he was going for his third nationality citizenship passport. Uh, maybe citizenship doesn't carry the weight that it did in the first century. If you're a citizen, you represented your country. You represented it. You, you, you enjoyed certain privileges because you represented your country. This is Now, the Bible says if you're in Christ, you're a part of a whole new nation where, where you are a citizen of it. Flip. For, we've got here in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, 
a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. And if you can get this, that yes, you might be Australian or English or British or Nigerian or you, you might be Indian or Chinese, but if you're in Christ, your first point of identity is I'm in Christ. I'm a son or daughter of God because of Christ. I belong to him and his nation called a kingdom. We're part of a new nation. And, and it says in this thing what we're to do, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim as we've been doing this morning. And I hope as you will do as you leave here, as you will do when you wake up tomorrow morning after your breakfast and go to work or do whatever you, whatever you do, proclaiming his excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light we had at least three songs this morning that had that line in it we have come out of darkness and into light you're not like other people when you're in Christ you're not to think like other people when you're in Christ your point of reference is not opinion polls. It's not what people say. It's not, I heard the most stupid thing yesterday. I heard a, sorry, I heard the most interesting thing yesterday from a chemical biologist. And, and he said this, he wrote a paper, which was an, an, a piece of, uh, and I'll use the scientific term to describe it, utter nonsense. And he said, but it can't be because it had, it had, what did he say, 2 million Twitter engagements. Oh, well, okay, fair enough. Fair enough. 2 million Twitter. It's, okay, I'm sorry, I didn't realise you had 2 million Twitter engagements. Well, it must be true then. You idiot, uh, you, you interesting person. We live in a, a society that doesn't know what its frame of reference is, and our frame of reference is Jesus Christ is Lord. What he says is true. His opinion matters. We have an audience of one, and it's the one on the throne. Not how many likes you get on your Facebook or how many Instagram followers you have. No, I'm not going to leave her alone. She says, Dad, you've only got six Instagram followers. Guess how many I've got? Who cares, Ruby? Who cares? Oh, every other day. You say it by the way you look at me. <laughs> Come on, you know it's true. The fourth thing, if you're in Christ, you are members of a new family. You see, the person on your left or your right, they may not bear family resemblance to you, but they're your brother or your sister. Man, have we got this. But isn't it in the 21st century so hard to get with the breakdown of family? As we heard in Elizabeth's story, she didn't even know up until the age of 35 she had brothers, let alone who they were. And if we could get this in church, it would revolutionise the way people see life. You're part of a new family. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, it says you are a royal ambassador. In fact, you are a part of the royal ambassadors. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, Therefore we are ambassadors, plural, for Christ. God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Please get this. And then, number five, and Paul, Paul says, 
In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 20, again writing to the Ephesians, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I might declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So Paul's in chains and he's asking the Ephesians, pray for me. I'm an ambassador and I'm in chains, but pray that I'll be bold. Pray that I'll not be timid. Pray that I won't look at, oh, woe is me, but keep my eyes on the Lord and be an ambassador for him despite how I'm feeling and despite that someone gave me a thumbs down on one of my YouTube videos. Please, good grief. Fifthly, we are soldiers in his majesty's special forces. I could have just put soldiers, but I wanted... Have you ever seen the special forces? These guys, man, oh man. The special forces. And so we read Paul writing to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 5 and, and verse 4, uh, that, uh, and, and in 2 Timothy 2, 4, that no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. You see, when you became a Christian, you became a soldier in his majesty's special forces. Wow. So of those five things, there was something common to all of them. And the common thing is it's not about an individual in any of them. It's about an us, not an I. It's not about a me, it's about a we. It's about us. Even when you think about the Lord's Prayer that we call the Lord's Prayer, that he taught his disciples to pray, Our Father, forgive us our debts as we forgive those who are indebted to us or sin against us and so on. There is something about what Christ has done that, yes, it does change the individual. Please don't mishear me. But there is something that Christ has done that unites individuals into those five terms that we've just looked at that makes us a threat, a threat to this time of darkness. We sang about it in three songs. We read Paul saying, this is what this kingdom of people, this is what we do. We call and summon people out of darkness and bring them into light through the message. So here's the biggest threat that we have in not being able to get this, and it's this, it's individualism. It's our biggest challenge to understanding what this word, church, Greek word, ecclesia, what this means. You see, if you think church is about, well, I didn't really, I, I didn't really like the worship this morning. I just, I don't know, it just didn't have the beat I was after. Good grief. Look, I, should, I, should we have... We have various ministries. Should we have a slapping ministry? Like, seriously, Michael, put your hand down. It's like, it should... Luke, don't you back him up on this. You put your hand down as well. It's not about whether you like the beat of the music or I was getting into Jacob's uh, guitar roofs. Actually, I thought it was pretty cool. But I didn't want to get distracted because I remembered, oh, actually, I'm here to worship God with my family. Oh, why? Come on. Some of you, I just, just want maybe get that amen that come, Amen. And it just creeps up inside. Just let it come out occasionally. It's like, yes, this is about us. It's about Him who's done something in us to make us a family, an army, 
a group of ambassadors for his kingdom sent out into the world. If you've got your Bible, would you please turn to Psalm 98, please. Psalm 98. I want to share with you this psalm, which is the church's, it's a psalm of the church about the church's Lord and King. And the order in Psalm 98 is King and Lord because they are synonyms. If you've got Psalm 98, it says this. This is the church singing to the Lord, prophetically recorded in the Psalms of what Christ would do through, in, and for his people. Oh, sing a song. To, to, oh, sing to the Lord a new song. You notice all those five things I gave you? New, 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 new. Sing a new song, for he has done marvellous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. We're called to the nations. That's why we prayed for the nations. That's why we partner with people who go into the nations because this is not about us and our postcode. This is about Christ being Lord over heaven and earth. All of it. And there are some people who think it's about a patch of dirt in the Middle East. It's not. It's about the whole shebang. It's all his. And you'll see that next week as I talk about the kingdom of heaven, how heaven and earth will come down and be an amalgam. That's how the lordship of Christ will culminate. Verse 3, he has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. Yeah, by sending the Messiah. That's what he did. All the ends of the earth have seen. This is where the church is now gone. The salvation of our God. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. And we all said, Amen. Amen. <laughs> Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre, which is an instrument of spiritual warfare. That's what David used to cast out the demons out of King Saul, you might recall. With lyre and the sound of melody. With the trumpets and the sound of the horn, make a joyful noise before the King, the Lord. Let the sea roar, all that fills it, the world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills sing for joy together before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. Why? Because he is Lord. And his lordship is being expressed throughout the whole world through his church. We are not the kingdom. We are proclaimers of the kingdom. You come to Christ, you come into his church. We are his family, his nation, his soldiers, his army. Before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth, he will judge the world with righteousness and peoples with equity. And so no wonder... This song was, was written, In darkness we were waiting without hope. It says that in Ephesians, that before Christ we were without hope, without light, till from heaven you came running. There was mercy in your eyes to fulfill the law and prophets. This is what Jesus the Lord has done for us. To a virgin came the word we just had christmas this is what it was about and as ronnie said we don't want to keep thinking about jesus as a little baby meek and mild 
I'm thinking of Jesus in Revelation 19. He's carrying a sword. He's pierced. He's got a tattoo down his leg. Look out. He's Lord of heaven and earth. From the throne of endless glory to a cradle in the dirt. Praise the Father. Praise the Son. Praise the Spirit. Three in one. Would you please stand? God of glory. Because I don't know how you can sit. God of glory. Majesty. Praise forever to the King of Kings. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to worship the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. If you'd like to listen again or you've missed a program, you'll find an archive of all previous episodes on our website, findingtruthmatters.org. For tonight's program, select The Lordship of Christ, Part 9, from our online store. You can also find the podcast by subscribing to Finding Truth Matters on iTunes, Spotify or SoundCloud. As we've heard tonight, as the church, we are a new priesthood, citizens of a new nation members of a new family, royal ambassadors. And Jesus Christ is Lord over us, his blood-bought church. More from Dr. Corbett next week. Dr. Corbett is pastor of Lagana Christian Church and president of ICI Theological College Australia. Thank you for joining us. We look forward to meeting with you again, same time next week, for another Finding Truth Matters.